Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Psalm chapter 36 is our focus this morning, and so I would invite you to find a copy of God's Word and follow along with me, where it's, whether it's there on your uh, smartphone or your tablet, or maybe you have a Bible, and you would pull it over and you would look at Psalm chapter 36 with me um, as we process through, I think, a psalm that, that is very helpful, it's very fitting for us. Now, before we read this psalm, I want you to, to look at it here and understand that there are some different sections in this psalm. The first section are the first four verses. The first four verses talk about the person, the, the man, I'll say, who rebels against God, the, the godless man, the wicked man who turns only to self. And then the middle section of these verses in 5 and 6 lift our eyes to God. They, they help us see him. And then David comes in verses 7 through 9 and he teaches us about the child of God. And then he prays a prayer at the end, a prayer of, of, of worship, a prayer of adoration, a prayer of petition, asking the Lord to guard him from turning away from God and to hold his foot near to the Lord. Now, if you don't know, one of the things that, that we're doing is, is for folks who have had difficulty connecting uh, through this live stream, uh, Pastor Ben and I have been working uh, in, in tandem on a radio broadcast as well. It airs at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings um, here locally in the Bowling Green area on WKCT, which is 104.1 radio. And so one of the things that, that we've discovered is that gives us an opportunity to work through our sermons before we preach them here on the live stream. And something that I did on this text that, that, that I've changed between the two uh, can be found right here in the layout. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I pointed it out to you. Because what I did was I wanted to spend the majority of the time in the radio broadcast talking about the character and the attributes of God. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, with shaping it in that way. But, but in hindsight, thinking about it, what, what I did was I made it appear that, that here's God and then here's the wicked man versus the child of God versus the righteous man. And as I came back to this text, and, and I'm doing all this before I read it because I want you to think of it in this way, what I realized is that's what we do. We try to say that here's this other person, as long as I can be a little bit better than that person, then God will be pleased with me. God will be impressed with me. And friend, that is not the way God works in our lives. He is not calling us to compete with each other. What he does is he takes each person and he looks at us in light of himself, of his perfection, of his holiness. And so then when I came back to this psalm and, and began to think about just the, the structure of it, the way it's laid out, it made sense because David does not compare two people. He talks about the wayward and then he points to the character of God. And once that wayward person sees 
the character of God, then they're called to change and they become a child of God, submissive to God with a changed heart and a changed life. Now, that, that's, that's what we see here thousands of years later. I don't know if David actually thought of it in that way when he penned this psalm. But I can see it clearly now that, that I look at it. It's, it's when we encounter God, our lives are changed. And so that's where I put a title on this sermon called Life in Focus. Life in Focus. That, that, that when we look to ourselves, we see life in one way. When we look to God, we see it in a different way. And so let's read now. Psalm chapter 36. David writes, Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you. And your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. Let's pray. Father, come now. Use your text. Use your word, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, correct us, save us. For it's in Jesus' name and for his glory that we ask this. Amen. When you look here in this text, you see First of all, this rebellious, that, that's what that word transgression means, rebellious. The rebellious, wicked person is, is looking within. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He is simply looking to self. And so, so the, the, the rebellious man plots evil in his heart. David says that, that he lies on his bed plotting trouble. He sets himself. He, he, he thinks of his plan. He thinks of what he can do. And he begins to make a plan of action that he will work toward and work on. Now, maybe as you think about that text, you, you think, you know, I've never killed anyone. I've never stolen anything from a store. I've never stolen someone else's car. I mean, what, what kind of evil? Are, I mean, this sounds like really, really awful evil. But the reality is we've all been there. We, we've all caught ourselves in moments when we're plotting against others. When in anger, we, we want to 
act against someone else. We want to seek revenge. We want to pay back what's been done to us. Maybe we've seen something that someone else has, and, and out of jealousy, we, we want that, or we want that recognition or that prestige, and, and so we've, we've thought about that, and it's angered us, and it's turned over in our minds, and we've, we've considered ways that, that we can take that away from that other person, and we can have that to shine on us. And so here in this text, we see the rebellious man plots evil in his heart. Why? Because the rebellious man doesn't fear God, this text tells us. The rebellious man flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated, that God will not know, that God's anger, that God's wrath, he won't even know. He's not aware. I can hide this from him. He's not even paying attention. Maybe this person doesn't even think there is a God. That his sin, that that his evil cannot be found out. That he's living only for himself. I would encourage Christians to be careful. So often we take a text like this and we begin to turn it into an us versus them scenario. We begin to cast judgment on others and to look out to them. Friend, I would, I would ask you how many of your life's plans are truly submitted to the Lord? How many of your actions, of your priorities are submitted to the Lord? Or how often have you acted just out of regard for what is your wisdom, what would benefit you, what you want, rather than coming before the Lord and in a fear of the Lord, submitting yourself before him? Sometimes even people who say they know God can live and act as if there is no God. And so here David calls out to the one who is rebellious to turn to God, to to, to look upon God. And and he casts this vision of God starting in verse 5. And so, so who is God? He says, In verse 5, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. We learn about the Lord's love. First, it is steadfast. It is enduring. It is everlasting. It is ongoing. We we cannot run to the end of it. The, The love of God reaches far. And then we come to understand here in this text, he, he talks about the fact that it extends to the heavens. Sometimes we think we could just reach up and touch the moon or, or, or reach up and touch a star. There are several planets that are burning brightly in our night sky right now on those days when it's not rainy and we can go outside and we can see them burning bright just as the sun goes down. David says the love of God extends out into the heavens. What what we learned in middle school science as light years and light years and light years away. David says the love of God extends that far. Calling to the rebellious person to come back, to turn, to surrender your life to me. Says his faithfulness is 
to the clouds. The faithfulness appears closer. We know that the love of God is there because we see his faithful work in our lives. That he does what he says, that that he is consistent, that he is constant, that he does not break a promise. David calls out to this one who would look only to self. Contrast that with a God who never changes. With a God who always does what he says he will do. And then he begins to lay a foundation. He's talked about the evil of the rebellious man. He comes here in verse 6 and he says, Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. The righteousness is like the mountains of God. Anything that, that would have a phrase, the mountains of God, must strike in our hearts something that, that is magnificent, something that, that is beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen a mountain range. Maybe you've hopefully seen the Smoky Mountains, or maybe you've seen the Rocky Mountains, or the Appalachian Mountains. Maybe you've been to the Grand Canyon, and, and, and while it's not necessarily a mountain range, the, the, the clefts and the, the, the steep points of the Grand Canyon sure look like mountains. Maybe you've traveled the world and you've seen the Alps, or some other beautiful range in this world that God has created. David said, as we look to God's righteousness, his purity, his holiness, the fact that he does what is right every single time, he is the standard of what is right. David said, as we look to that, it's like looking out onto a great range of mountains, And when you see this great range of mountains, you are reminded that God is strong. That nothing can shake him, nothing can move him. The mountains stand. And as we look out on this great range of mountains, we understand that all the rest of the landscape is shaped by the mountains. You may be able to see all the way to the mountains, but you can't see beyond them. They are the boundary. They become the horizon. So the mountains shape the landscape, just as God's righteousness shapes the landscape of the lives of those who will follow after him, his ways, his commands, his laws, his promises shape who we are, how we see the world around us. And then if you've ever stood in front of one of those great mountain ranges. (laughs) I would dare you to walk out to the Grand Canyon. I would dare you to come to the foot of the Rocky Mountains and think about the greatness of yourself. When we come to those points, we stand in awe. And beyond just standing in awe of the nature For those of us who trust in the God who is the creator and the sustainer of all things, we are struck in awe of who is this God who has created something so magnificent and so beautiful. David says the righteousness of God 
is that. <laughs> to look at God's standard. Can you imagine if we lived by God's standard, how different this world would be around us? Not to see God's rules and his, his desires for the world as something that, that, that weighs us down and hinders us, but to see it as something that brings joy, safety, security, liberty, protection. David says here that the, the righteousness of God calls us to this. And, and then David answers to that, to that rebellious man who, who says God won't know. He, he won't find out of the wrong that I've done. David says here that your judgments are like the great deep. Because God is the righteous judge, he is the one who sees and acts and knows. It's his holiness, it's his purity that, that allows him to look out and to see us, to see the things that, that we believe we can hide from him. When I think about that, about the, the, the deep, nothing can be hidden from God. I think about the very first time that that Monica and I went snorkeling. Never done that before. I'd kind of been afraid to do that, to be honest. But, but we got our courage up, or at least I got mine up, and here we went. And we were floating around this little reef, amazed that there was a, a world under here that, that we had never seen, that, that I had never seen such beautiful fish. I can remember watching some of those colorful fish as they swam away from the reef and, and just thinking, I, I want to see where this little guy's going. And I just trail him and I follow him. And I, I get away from, from the reef, which was security that I could always grab hold, that I sort of had a, a point of location when I knew the reef was right over here. And so I start following this fish and the fish continues to swim and swim and swim. And I come up to the edge and I don't see the sandy floor of the ocean anymore i see a ridge and on the other side of that ridge is darkness now that's different than the land here in kentucky we have sinkholes and i've i've come up to the edge of plenty of sinkholes and looked down into the sinkhole and the sun is shining down and i can see what's down in that sinkhole and make the decision of whether i want to step down in that or not but here in the ocean, out in the deep, I came up to that edge. And the sun didn't shine down there. It was just dark. And maybe we think in our lives that there are things that we have hidden away. That not even God can see that. Not even God can know that. But David says here in this text that nothing can be hidden from God. That he sees out into the deep. The good news of this text is that God is also Savior. Look at this, how he, he comes because your righteous, your judgments, 
And verse 6 could have ended in a way that was just awful. It was dooming. But it doesn't. He says, man and beast, you save, O Lord. Jesus would tell us in Matthew chapter 6 that, that the Father in heaven knows the needs of the birds. And he feeds the birds. That helps me to understand that that little fish that swam out into the deep beyond where I could see, it was not beyond the eye of God. It was not beyond where God could care for that fish. That God would protect, would save that fish. How much more would God care for us, his image bearers? He has shown that through Christ. So much that he sent his one and only son to come and to take this punishment for being this rebellious man in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. The Savior, the Son of God, who, who committed none of these things, has come and he has taken them for me and for you if you will trust him if you will confess your sin to him, if you will ask for his forgiveness, if you will repent, believe, and follow after him. He has come to save us. And in that salvation, there is forgiveness, and there is grace, and there is mercy, but there's also transformation. And that's what we see in these verses 7, 8, and 9, how Precious is your steadfast love, O God. It's changed now, I would say. It's the same words as verse 5, but it's not just the love of God that, that is out in the heavens. It is the love of God that is shown to his people, to his children, that, that we can know. And here in verse 7, he says, The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You see, the first thing we understand is that God's children look to God for protection. In the shadow of your wings, he gathers us. He, he says, come to me, bring your fear, bring your anxiety, bring your worry. Come to me, I will protect you. I will give you security. I will guard your life. And in verse 8, he says, they feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. God's children look to him for provision. So not only does he protect, he also provides. He gives us what we need. Whether that be physical, whether that be emotional, spiritual. He gives us what we need. He calls us to turn to him. That he is not distant. He is not cut off. He knows of our needs. We can trust him. He will take care of us. Verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. God's children 
look to God for direction. For direction. You think about this this fountain of life, that the water that, that refreshes, that renews, that gives us courage to continue on and to obey. He says, in your light, do we see light? I think about those lights that that Megan had on the table there in the children's sermon. I think about this text that then in your light, Lord, do we see light? I think about a child who is lost in the woods and is frantically searching with his flashlight, looking left and right, looking up and down. Where am I? How am I all alone? Where did my parent go? And the parent, with their light, shining it, searching for the child to save that child, calling out to the child. I couldn't help but think as I was looking at this text that this was my child. I would, I would be searching for that light, listening for the sound, looking for its glow, calling out, calling out Maddox, calling out Isaac, calling out Eliza, Jameson, Millie, where are you? Look, here is the light. Put your light in my light and I will lead you back in. I will lead you to safety. And then once your light is in my light, keep your light in my light and we will stay on the path. We will go the distance and finish the course together. In your light, oh God. Do we see light, the way that we ought to live? And David is humbled. I understand what he feels. I feel it right now. And so so we call out to God, oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you. God, in a time of quarantine, in a time of isolation, in a time of uncertainty, in a time when our routines and our schedules are flipped upside down, and sometimes we don't even know what day it is, God, help us. God, draw us near to you. Help us abide in your love. And Lord, guide us by your righteousness. Oh, Kentucky, what a week. What a weekend to weep over the unrighteousness that's happening here in our state, in our commonwealth, even now. And to call us to search our own hearts and our own lives to say, God, cleanse me so that your righteousness, God, would shine through me so that I would walk in your light. And David says, guard me, O God. Guard me. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me. Let let me not think that I've got it all figured out. Let me not think that I am the model Christian. Let me not think if they could just be like me, they would see God. He said, no, help me to be dependent. 
Help me to be humble. And then, Lord, guard me. Guard me from the hand of the wicked. God, help me to not fall into the trap of temptation. Help me to understand that your way is the way. Friend, this morning, as you join us on this live broadcast, maybe the Lord is stirring in your heart. And if you were here at South Campus, if you were over at East Campus, you would come and and you would want someone to pray with you. Maybe you don't know Christ and the Lord is stirring in your heart and you say, I have been that person in those first four verses. Help me. Help me to know how I can live differently. You're here, or we're here, and you're there. But we have tried to set up a way where soon we could correspond. And if you would just reach out, then we would try to respond back to you. And here is our way in this time of virtual connection. And it is texting the word Jesus to this phone number. 270-279-1031. Text Jesus to 270-279-1031. Obviously, if you have Pastor Ben's number, you're welcome to call Pastor Ben or Ed or Dana or Will or Justin or on and all we could go to Greg and to Megan to reach out. But if in this moment you say, I need help, I need somebody to pray, and, and, and just a direct way to do that is to text right here to 270 270- 279-1031 the word Jesus and someone will respond back to you someone from Eastwood Baptist Church not from a call center somewhere else in the country but, but someone that, that would be familiar to you from Eastwood Baptist Church Hi there, this is Pastor Ben I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live. And he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. 
He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.